This is BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver's newspaper and BIV.com. And I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. Good to have you with us. The by-election victory this week of Jagmeet Singh as the MP for Burnaby South was something the NDP could ill afford not to win. Singh, elected a little more than a year ago to lead the party, has seen his stock decline. And the party's is in decline too. And neither he nor his party could have easily handled a defeat so close to an election this fall. His win very significantly gave this country its first national party leader of color. And in an ideal situation, his iconic value will change our politics. But he's been criticized in his rookie year. And clearly he has work to do in order to restore the national standing of the new Democratic Party. I want to talk today about the NDP, about Singh and about the emerging political dynamic with Mario Canseco. He runs Research Co., public research firm based here in Vancouver. Good to have you with us again. Great to be here again. Thank you. What would have happened if Jagmeet Singh had lost? Oh, it would have been a nightmare. I think we you would have had a lot of MPs saying, I want to be the next leader. You would have had organizers. You would have had the knives out fairly quickly after the results started trickling in, and it would have been disastrous for the NDP. It would have been very difficult to try to build momentum around a loss as significant as that one would have been. Let's take a look at the results, because he didn't get a majority. Uh, it, it was a low turnout. By-elections yeah. usually have a low turnout. Didn't get a majority, but he actually placed better in terms of percentage than the MP he replaced. Kennedy Stewart is now the mayor of Vancouver. Well, I, I think what we need to remember is 2015, we saw Trudeau mania give the liberal seats in British Columbia they didn't expect. Mm -hmm. It went all the way to mission. And Burnaby South was one of the last seats that was called that night because it was so close. Kennedy Stewart was the incumbent, but you know there was a lot of competition from the liberals because of the way Justin Trudeau had campaigned in the final stages of that election. So when I saw the numbers and I saw that the last election was decided by one point, I didn't really think that the liberals were going to do that well uh, because by-elections tend to have lower turnouts. There is not a lot of, of uh, voters in the riding who are genuinely motivated by what Justin Trudeau has done. So you were expecting the level of support for the liberals to be a little bit lower and for the NDP to be a little bit higher. And that's what happened. Let's talk a bit about the liberal result in here in a, in a couple of ways. One, of course, uh, this is a riding that is uh, right attached to the Trans Mountain Pipeline. And there is, of course, a great deal of opposition to it in the city of Burnaby. It has led the way. Um, did that make it almost a non-starter for the Liberals? I think it made it very difficult. Plus, you have the fact that they had a candidate who had to quit halfway. Right. Uh, it makes it more difficult for them to knock on doors and, and essentially have to answer to voters who were asking, well, Four years ago, Mr. Trudeau came here and said there were not going to be any new uh, pipelines built. And now you're coming in here telling us that this is in the best interest of the country. And by the way, we are now owners of this pipeline. So it's definitely a situation where I think the NDP was very uh, um, wise in campaigning, knocking on doors and essentially reading what was happening. If you were concerned about pipelines, you were going to say that you were against it. If you weren't, you were going to say, wouldn't you like to have a voice in Ottawa? Somebody who hasn't been from BC since Stockwell Day back in the early stages of this century. And I think it worked very well for them. Um, I heard some people muse that actually the liberals were hoping Jagmeet Singh won. How could that be? I don't think there is a lot of validity to that. You know, it, I, I don't think you would campaign that way. 
If anything, you extend leaders' courtesy, which is what Elizabeth May did. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's not like they found somebody— Leaders' courtesy meaning you don't run against them. Right. You, you so don't the Greens run didn't them. run in this, in, this, uh, in this campaign. Well, and that's The conservatives also, did. Yes. And the liberals did. And between the two, those two parties, they actually drew more votes— than Singh did. They did. And, and, you know, we should also talk a little bit about the People's First Party yeah. and how they uh, managed to get to that 10 a percent threshold. But of, before we get there, it, so yeah. you don't put any credence in the fact that the Liberals may have wanted Jagmeet Singh to actually be in the House of Commons, that it might help them because he appears to be a weakened leader and essentially wouldn't see defecting Liberal votes going to the NDP over the next number of months. The reason he's been a weak leader is because he's not in the House. We need to look back at what's happened with Jack Layton, with Tom Mulcair in a way. If you're not in the House every afternoon sticking it to the government, you're not going to get any sort of traction with with, uh, voters. And I think part of the problem that he's had over the past few months is he's always in Ottawa, but he's talking outside of the House in a scrum with four or five reporters next to him. It doesn't make him be seen as a leader. And I think that's one of the reasons for the numbers of the NDP to be so low, but that could change. So you grow almost automatically by virtue of having that seat. Well, I think it definitely helps them. And, and it's mm. also something where he has to find a way to connect. And I think, you know, Jack yeah. Layton had a long time to do this, partly because we had so many minority governments and the NDP didn't want to change leaders because you never knew if the next election was six weeks away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he managed to connect in a way that was meaningful. They managed to get into second place in 2011. And Tom Mulcair was brilliant at essentially... Uh, saying things about what Harper was doing in English and French flawlessly every night. So he's got to combine a little bit of the two, be as feisty as Mulcair, but also try to have that common touch that Leighton had and that led the NDP to its best result ever. Before we get too far down the road on this one, I want to go back to the Liberals for just one thing. SNC-Lavalin as a scandal is, of course, affecting the Liberal numbers across the country. Would they have had any impact, do you think, the other night? No. Uh, By-elections tend to be very weird. Uh, They are... Essentially, for those who are very connected, unless you have somebody who's running or you are definitely somebody who reads about public affairs, uh, you're not going to come out and essentially cast a ballot. And there's the difficulty also in the way by-elections can be covered. If if you run a a radio station, a newspaper, TV station that is only uh, dealing with a tiny, tiny a number of residents who can vote in this by-election, you're not going to devote a lot of ink to it. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's one of the reasons for the voter turnout to be low. But also, you know, it, it's more about uh, the ground game when it comes to the by-elections. And I think the NDP managed it very well. Uh, yeah. They have very good connections provincially. We saw Jack Mead Singh campaign for some people who won seats in the last provincial election here in BC. So they were very happy to return the favor. Let's look at uh, the People's Party in this case, because it did get into double digits. And I think most people were surprised that it did the way it did. Now, it had a relatively high profile uh, candidate in this case. And clearly, in a by-election where you don't have a large turnout, if you can mobilize the crew you've got, um, your numbers can look pretty reasonable in this case. What do you make of the um, durability of a result like that for the party Let's talk first off in, in this riding. Is is this a riding where it might get double digits again in the fall? I would be uh, very surprised if they did. I think part yeah. of the reason for that is uh, there is nothing really that is stopping them from campaigning at a national level. And we don't know exactly how many people are going to run for them. Will they be able to run in every riding? Mm. Are they going to be running specifically in areas where they think they can win? I do think that this places a, a very, very... 
difficult situation for the conservative, particularly because there are seats which they held on to in the last election by less than 5% of, of the vote. And so you look at a place like a, a Caribou North, for instance, where if the share of the vote for the conservatives drops three points, that enables the liberals or the NDP to win that riding. So. Yeah. I think it's definitely terrifying for them, not because they think that the People's Party will elect members, but because all of that share of the vote is coming from the Conservatives. So is the People's Party giving a lot of conservative British Columbians, and I mean those that are that would be pretty far out to that right on the political spectrum, who maybe had to vote for conservative, they had nowhere else to go, does it now give them somewhere to go? I think it does. And, and one of the reasons for that is, uh, there was a high level of support for the conservatives in the early stages of the Reform Party and the Canadian Alliance uh, based on issues related to social conservatism. I think there was an expectation from voters uh, that once Harper had a majority, things were going to get done. We were going to deal with uh, issues uh, of social conservatism that hadn't been dealt with before because they didn't want to uh, do anything that was going to be remotely dangerous. And then nothing happened. On abortion, nothing happened. On, on other issues that they care about, nothing happened. So if the People's Party speaks to these voters who are disenchanted with the legacy of the Harper years, that is going to come out of the conservative base and it could definitely hinder them. You alluded earlier to the work that's ahead for Jagmeet Singh. Let's talk a little bit about what his priorities might be over the next number of months before we get into the summer break and then eventually into the fall campaign. What points does he have to score? Well, there's definitely growth in the urban areas. I don't think the growth is going to come in Quebec. I think it's going to be very complicated for them to hold Do on to the Do they have to, to write Quebec off in a certain way? I think that's definitely in right. the cards. So where do they get it back? Here? Ontario? You could where? get it here. You could get it in the 905. You could get it in certain areas where Jack Layton connected very well. And some of those seats were lost in 2015 mm -hmm. to Trudomania Part 2. Uh, it's important for them also to try to win some seats in Atlantic Canada. I think it would be unwise to assume that the Liberals are going to clean house again. So if you run your own campaign very smartly and choose specific places where you can be more successful, almost running like the Green Party used to, like let's really spend resources in the three or four or seven ridings in this particular place where we can win and then whatever happens with the rest that's fine. Uh, it's it's definitely part of the situation. I think also, depending on how the NDP does in the Alberta election, there might be a chance for them to get some of those seats back from the Liberals. Mm. Uh, if you're somebody who lives in Alberta and doesn't want to vote Conservative, you might be more likely to vote for the NDP under the right leader. You won't vote Liberal because they're pushing the pipeline? <laughs> well, it's a tough one because I don't think he's going to get the recognition that he thinks he's going to be getting. And, mm. and this is definitely part of the problem. Uh, you know, I remember when I worked on the book on Brian Mulroney by Peter C. Newman, Mulroney used to complain, nobody's done more for the West than I have. Nobody's done more. Nobody has more cabinet ministers. Nobody has. They wanted to scrap this. We did it. They wanted free trade. We did it. And in the end, he was abandoned by the Reform Party. So something similar could be happening here. Is there a ballot box issue you think that the NDP has? At this point, is, is there something that it believes it can turn to its favor? I think they will try it on, on the issues related to services and families. I think they're going to try with mm. sort of the Reagan-esque, are you better off than you were four years ago? Did you Pharmacare. get everything that you wanted? It's 
we're not going to get any Canadian to say, no, I don't want pharmacare. Yeah. It's, it's ultimately going to be more about and who can actually deliver it. And the liberals are, they're already into that one anyway. Yeah. And, and it's a little bit easier to say we have the resources, we have the organization to make something like this happen. Uh, they usually do better on issues like healthcare, for instance. But it's easier when you're the one who's saying, you know, you should be spending more, you should be doing things more uh, flawlessly. And, and it's, a, it's a difficult one. I don't think... It's as easy to campaign against the liberals from the NDP standpoint than it was to campaign against conservatives. I think that's why Leighton did very well in that last election of, of 2011. He may not have a provincial counterpart in Alberta after May. Uh, it's possible. But he will have one out here. How much does John Horgan help Jagmeet Singh and the NDP federally? Well, I think it depends on the way BC does. You know, we haven't seen any... Uh, doomsday scenarios. Uh, our AAA credit rating is still there. Unemployment is low. People seem to be happy with services and with some of the decisions that the government has taken. The liberals as an opposition are all over the place. We don't really know what they are standing on or what the type of situation that they would like to see happening before the next election. Uh, so whether we like him or not, or whether they have a good relationship or not, he's definitely going to be somebody who they can point to and say, look, here's an NDP government in BC with a good economy where nothing is falling apart. And, you know, this is an example of what this could be on a Canada-wide basis if you vote for us. But it's still a long way to go. I mean, they are yeah. essentially trying to hold on to territory in Quebec that is going to be very, very difficult. I haven't seen what you have nationally uh but I've seen other polls that suggest now there's a gap of six or seven points uh, that the conservatives are leading. Um, if Jagmeet Singh begins to gain some momentum uh, as a result of his visibility, if nothing else, in the House of Commons, where does his vote come out of? It would come out of liberals more than anything. I think there's hmm. definitely, here in British Columbia particularly, there were a lot of people who would have voted for the Greens for the NDP in the last election. Uh, but they voted strategically. They voted because they wanted the vehicle that was going to get rid of Stephen Harper, and that vehicle was Justin Trudeau. So this is a different election. Now you're sort of going back to your regular base. I mean, this is a province where under Michael Ignatieff, the liberals got 13% of the vote. Mm -hmm. They went all the way to 35% under Trudeau. So some of those voters are going to go back to the regular homes. Will it be the Greens? Will it be the NDP? Are you going to see some of those North Shore ridings going more to the conservatives or essentially tilting more towards the center right? Um, I think that's the key to the exercise. And, and for the NDP, it's definitely urban areas. Parties can be very uh, short on the leash with their leaders these days, uh, can be one and done for you. Does the fact that Jagmeet Singh only came into the House of Commons so close to an election give him a little bit more of a berth here that if the party does not break through in the fall, he can continue as leader? I think it'll depend on a couple of numbers. One of them is your share of the vote nationally. If he does significantly worse than Tom Mulcair did in a campaign where Tom Mulcair started in first place, mind you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a very difficult scenario. He's not starting this campaign in no. the first place. So, start. Yeah. you know, going from 32% to 20-something, which is what happened to Mulcair, was essentially detrimental for his cause. But if you start at 12, 13, maybe get it to 16, 17%, save a few seats, win a few seats, I think the issue of Quebec is going to come in there as well. He can say, you know, we won all of these seats outside of Quebec, but we lost some in there. So there's an argument there to be made to, you know, we can build something that is more palatable. But I think it's really going to depend on the size of the government. If we have another minority headed by Justin Trudeau or by Andrew Scheer, 
the NDP is not going to change horses. They never did with Leighton, even though he started to get a little bit better every election. Uh, but you don't want to be in a situation where you're choosing a leader and the next election could be called anytime. Um, last question about Jagmeet Singh. Uh, no question in the last couple of months uh, when he was campaigning out here, he took a lot of heat for just appearing to not be as well prepared as a national leader ought to be. Does he need to surround himself with a better crew in order to make sure that when he does stand in the House of Commons, that he is on firm footing and that he, he knows how to, knows the thrust and parry? Well, I think it's absolutely necessary. You know, this is somebody who studied law. He's supposed to be able to do this kind of thing. And, and it's difficult sometimes when you're handling interviews uh, that are happening when, when the story breaks or when something is quite surprising. But there's... Yeah, we're there's pretty unforgiving be. as media at of times course. too. But, well, yeah. and, and everything lives forever. I think that's also part of the problem. You mm -hmm. know, that the, our 20, 30 years ago, you didn't have all the clips on YouTube that you could send to all your friends. Yeah. Uh, that definitely helps. Um, but more than anything, I think it's really about having some of those sound bites ready. I think what made Leighton compelling at the end of the campaign in 2011 was he had the sound bites ready. Hmm. And when you have that, when you're starting to connect with the population in that way, that's what gets you to second place. And ultimately, that's been the best result for the NDP in the history of the country. Good conversation, Mario. Thanks a lot for coming in again. My pleasure, Kirk. Thank you. Mario Canseco, president of Research Co. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening to BIV Today. We'll see you next time.